stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Welcome to Parks and Recollection. I'm Rob Lowe with the great co-host, Mr. Alan Yang. Hello, hello, hello. I mean, guys and gals, we have Fred Armisen on the show. I am thrilled to uh, to have Fred on the show. And so um, we are really excited to have one of the funniest people in the world as a guest on this episode. The, the guy is a genius. He's never, ever anything other than a genius and one of the nicest guys which you will find out you know him from snl portlandia a million other comedy shows um my friend fred armison i'm just take a minute to fanboy i love giving it up to my to my people i love i adore you you're one of my favorites you're you're in the hall of fame for me truly rob that's very kind of you thank you very very much the feeling is mutual. Um, we share a l- many friends or people you've worked with who are old friends of mine. And boy, do people have nice things to say about you. Oh, really? That oh, makes my me so gosh. happy. <laughs> I remember just when you first, I, when you w- were first on the show, I just remember Amy just being like, he's the best. <laughs> just so you know. Well, there, I cannot think of anything other than... Uh, this might be one of my favorite. What well, is one of my favorite I episodes? I felt like you might you'd be. like this one, Rob. And meanwhile, meanwhile, me and Fred are just enemies. We're just old enemies. Right? <laughs> you hate each other, We're right? Old. Well, our families hated each other, yeah. so it goes yes. back be- before us. Generations. There was just so much <laughs> hatred. Yeah. No, for, uh, Fred and I did a show together called Forever with Maya Rudolph and Matt Hubbard's, our friends, uh, and we did it over at Amazon, and we had a great time. It was really it was, fun. That was a, a, such a blast. I love doing it. Very proud of that project. And also, I feel like I've known you, Alan, for like a while because of, you know. Because of this episode. Because of this episode. <laughs> I was 20 years old. I was like a kid. I, I have. Like, and yeah. also, you know, you guys gave you gave me this gift of this gigantic Venezuelan fist. It's like a sort <laughs> yes. of. A, it's a symbol. I have a photo of you with it. Yeah. yeah. And so they, everyone signed it and Alan signed it. So I looked at the year. 
2009. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> what? 12 years ago. 12 years uh, ago. And so like I still carry this thing. You know, I sort of move it with me wherever I move. And I'm like, I, you know, and to me, it feels like a new addition to like my house or whatever. It's so old. It's so it's so funny, man. Rob, should we tell people about the episode and then we can talk I to Fred? I think we should. And, and, and Fred, get ready for this. This is really a special moment in every podcast. Okay. When Alan gives the synopsis. Information about the episode and then a summary of it. So, Fred, get ready to be blown away. Because <laughs> okay. it was gonna... many, many years ago. We're going to remind you of <laughs> Yeah, of that's genes. right. That's right. This episode's called Sister City. Episode 5 of Season 2 aired October fifteenth, two 2009. Written by me, Alan Yang. Directed by Michael Schur, co-creator mm-hmm. of the show. I believe this was the first episode Mike directed. So, he was, he was very green. I was very green. It was kind of fun. Um, so good. Quick synopsis. Here we go. The Pawnee Parks Department invites their sister city, Parks Department from Boracua, Venezuela, headed by Raul Alejandro Bastillo Pedro de Velosa de Morano, played by Fred Armisen, who's here with us. Expecting the Venezuelan government officials to be modest, simple people, the Parks Department is shocked to find their visitors wealthy, condescending, and offensive. <laughs> the officials mistake Tom for a servant, which Tom plays along with for their large cash tips, assume Leslie's proposed party involves sex workers, and disparage Pawnee at every turn. The Venezuelan intern, Johnny, falls hard for April, but she shows zero enthusiasm, while the rest of the delegates admire Donna. Meanwhile, the Venezuelans balk at the $35,000 Leslie's trying to raise to fill in the pit and rub it in that Venezuela is a very wealthy, oil-rich country. In an attempt to earn back respect, Leslie takes the delegates to Pawnee's nicest park and shows the democracy in action at a town hall meeting, which devolves into all the citizens shouting at Leslie. When Raul tells Leslie that their city is disgusting, she explodes in anger and the Venezuelans storm out. Leslie apologizes and Raul offers Leslie a check for $35,000 for the pit. Leslie reluctantly accepts, but just before the photo op, Raul convinces Leslie to say Viva Venezuela and Viva Chavez on camera, which she realizes is actually propaganda for Raul's committee to humiliate and shame America. Furious, Leslie rips up the check. Leslie vows to raise the money needed, and Tom secretly puts all of his Venezuelan tip money into the pit park gold jar. The episode ends with Leslie and Tom receiving an online video from April telling them she and Donna are vacationing with Johnny in his Venezuelan palace. Easily one of the weirdest episodes we ever did. <laughs> Very weird I'm, episode. It's one of the best. Yeah. No, by, by far, bar none, <laughs> absolutely one of the best. And you, my fine feathered friend, of all of the guest stars that have come through so far that we've been watching, as they say in sports parlance, you got a lot of touches. They, they fed you the ball. <laughs> this is a tour a de lot. force. This is a tour de force for Fred, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, I remember maybe a few months before it or like a, uh, a little while before it, I was texting with Mike Shore. And um, it was just about, you know, I, lo- I was a fan of the show and, since the, from the start. And I was just texting him about... Um, the idea of sister cities, the, I, what is it? The logic behind it, it's sort of, I don't understand how they pick each other. They don't seem to make, it doesn't seem logical. It's, it's, yep. it's some, there's something, sometimes it's like three sister cities. It'll be like Munich, Toronto, and Mexico City or something. I don't know. Uh, um, so we were just texting about it and that sort of, that was the sort of start of, you know, the idea that, uh, Maybe I could, you know, be someone from Venezuela or something. How did you come up with Venezuela? My mom is Venezuelan. Oh. Yeah. And it was something, you also thought of your uncle in somewhat, right? I, I remember talking to you about it and it was like, ah, oh, a little bit of your uncle, a little bit of your, your family. Yeah, like, my, yeah. My, my tío Manuel. Um, 
And, and I remember that's when Chavez was in power too. So that was like a whole, like all, you know, the way that my family was communicating was like, this is crazy. Um, and he, he was that extreme. It was a lot of like, uh, just a lot of new laws, new rules, and, uh, a lot of pride, a lot of Venezuelan pride. Um, by the way, I didn't mean it like it was, I wasn't saying it was my idea. I'm just saying that we were just marveling about the yes. idea of sister cities. That's where yes. it ended. I, I fully believe that that was an inspiration because I remember when this came into the writer's room and it was like just kind of this idea. And I think it was always you, by the way. It was never like, so I, I actually yeah. do think that's probably true because we were always talking about you doing it. And you, you talking about your family, talking about Chavez makes me think of that talking head you do where you talk about why people go to jail, right? Oh, and amazing. I remember shooting that because we let you improv in that and, you know, there's a lot of scripted lines in there, but also a lot where we just let you talk for like 10 minutes uninterrupted <laughs> and then we chopped it up. But I just, I'll never forget you undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. Like you, you go to jail, like you overcook chicken, you go to jail, like undercook, overcook. Like that's, I still remember like being there for that. It was amazing. Yes. There's a lot of extra material. So there's one clip where Raul, uh, Fred's character, um, is, is, talking about why Leslie doesn't have a giant oil painting of herself in her office. And Raul keeps talking about his oil painting. And, there, you know, I have a photo with Fred and this giant oil painting made of himself. So I, that that is very funny. But it made me laugh because ultimately the next season, we did do an episode where there is a giant oil painting of Leslie. Yeah, I remember... Um the way also that we would that we wrapped or the way that we ended was you guys just saying, "Are you done?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's nice for an actor, right? That's it's, nice. It's, it's the nice. best. <laughs> Have you had enough? I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it. that seems fine to me. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was so fun having you, and, and you can tell like this this part of the season and this part of the era of this show was us exploring. So, you know, when I think about this episode, I think a lot about nostalgia because, you know, this was the second episode of the show I ever wrote. Um, the first episode was called Boys Club. It was originally called Ethics Violation. And this was the first episode of season two that I wrote. And, you know, again, the show was kind of still finding its footing. And so Greg Daniels was in the room a lot. It was funny early on. I still remember Greg, you know, always pitching things that were kind of really small and grounded, and that was his kind of uh, his philosophy, right? He came from The Office and, and King of the Hill, and he would always say small, real, relatable, um, which, you know, the, the, the watchword of his taste, and, and I think a lot of that kind of seeped into Mike's philosophy and, and, and also definitely influenced um, what, I, what I like to do. And But the other thing was that... <laughs> Uh, it was kind of uh, kind of contradictory sometimes because sometimes Greg would pitch the broadest ideas or the craziest ideas. So this kind of falls more into the latter category. Um, it's kind of more the one of the more comedically pushed episodes. And you know, if you look at the series early on, you're trying different things. And in this case, uh, the Sister City episode was pretty comedy forward. 
And so, of course, uh, it made sense to cast Fred Armisen, who's one of the funniest people in the world, and obviously knew Amy and Mike from SNL. You know, this one was like, this is kind of the one where it's like a bucking bronco of a story and a premise. They're like, okay, let's see if we can contain this and make it feel like an episode of the show. But um, it's, it's a lot of hard comedy. That's why I knew Rob would like it, because as we've been talking about the show, he loves when the show goes really hard comedic. And I think that's, you know, obviously something Fred has been doing his whole life. So I, I knew he would like this one. Yeah, this is, I, I had not seen it, and I, I knew it was kind of legendary, um, and it did not disappoint. There's so much good stuff in it. I have to just really quickly just give a shout out to our location. The, the front of, the, of our Parks and Rec Department City Hall is Pasadena, California. Yeah. And it's in every episode, but it's prominently featured because they're outside waiting for your arrival. And yes. um, it's kind of amazing because we didn't do anything to change it. Like, if you go to Pasadena and you're a, friend, uh, a fan of Parks and Recreation, you're going to be like, what? It, it's literally just Pasadena City Hall. So I was going through my photos, and I have a photo of Pasadena City Hall. And I remember Mike deciding how to block the actors. So blocking basically is, where do the people stand? Where do they move? How does the scene develop and how does the action take place and he was like well do i line them up here and just talking with their cinematographer and talking with their assistant director and you know as a young writer you think wow mike knows everything he's the boss and you know he's essentially the mastermind behind the show but then you realize he's also learning how to direct and i went through the same thing when i started directing on master of none where i got to be the showrunner with aziz and i started directing like wow you you might not have gone to school for this, you know? <laughs> I like Mike didn't go to film school. I didn't go to film school and and so you're kind of learning that stuff on the fly. So I remember him kind of figuring out the blocking and all of that stuff. And um, you know, going through my photos, I also see the house at the end of the episode where we see April and, and Donna in quote unquote Venezuela. And that is a house in Sherman Oaks, you know, because you're shooting in LA. Yeah, it, it it's very good. Um I like when you talk when when we, the Pawnee people present you with uh, things from the city, and one of them is the rubber baby bottle nipples, <laughs> and then you say you call it the bag of trash. Right? She's like, he's like, thank you for this bag of sap and this bag of trash. Yeah, this bag of garbage is like this bag this of is... garbage. Oh, it's so good. God, I forgot that we gave you that fist because there's so many weird props in this one. There's that golden gun that you guys have that like what, like, and then there's that, and then it it, it it's. That Ron Ron Swanson talking head, he's kind of like doing the gun thing, I and that's where like, that becomes his um, his in, opening credit. Yeah, it's in the opening credits. I love finding those. Right? It's yep. like, yeah. The art direction was incredible. You know, I think you guys might have had banners, Venezuelan banners and flags hanging down. Yep. So it's a it was a trip for my mom. Like just because I would send her pictures, I'm like, you won't believe how much they've done. Wow. So for her, it's like you know, I feel like Venezuela is not depicted on tv very much at all it's just you just never see the flag you never see any of it so she was uh really impressed with it and i I was too i remember also that you know like the inside patio that you have uh, the sort of yeah you know on the the stage yeah the outside inside right it's the as your as your character says as your character says the dirty alleyway (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) the dirty alleyway I remember, I mean, just showing, I don't know why this didn't occur to me that it, it's on a soundstage. To me, I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, sometimes all that stuff still works on me, you know, like backlot um, sets and everything. But one observation that Mike Shore made was that, like, he didn't want there to be any blue bushes 
And what he meant was that whenever he watches sitcoms, there's always some weird, gigantic bush that looks dark blue. <laughs> it was such a it was such a strange observation, but true. I was like, oh yeah, what is that? They, there's always a lot that? of shrubs. It's like yeah. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. they're, co- they're maybe they're covering lights or something. I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, it reminds me of like Home Improvement or something. It's like yeah, there's like a fence and then there's like a bu- it's like hedges. There's way more hedges in sitcom world than in real life, right? That's they what always I have mean, a, yeah. hedges everywhere. The, there's yeah. always a little bit of wind, just a subtle bit of wind. Oh yeah, blowing the leaves because it's. They think that makes it look more real. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, Fred. It's the same thing. You can work, like, combined, the three of us have worked in entertainment for a long time, but I yeah. feel like I'm still like, oh, that's a back lot. Like, I still, like, why am I so stupid? Like, it's like, that's clearly a location. But it, and then, and then, and, but it translates into, like, when I'm directing and stuff, it's like, no, I need everything to be on location. And then slowly they talk me into doing some stage work. And then we do it on the stage. I'm like, wow, it looks amazing. It looks real. It's like, oh, yeah, you can do it. And we're surprised. I know. I know. Because I, I, I walked to the art, you know, I'll say something to the art department. And to them, it must be like, it must be like, this is our job. Why are you so freaked out? Yeah. Like, that looks like, because that's the same thing on Forever, too. They had that, those, uh, the, you know, the front doors yes. of those houses in Riverside. And I was amazed. Like, how did you find this? Well, yeah, this is tiny sidetrack for anyone who's seen Forever. There's two houses. It's like Maya and Fred have a house, right? Oscar and June, the characters. And then next door is their neighbor's house, this case played by Catherine Keener. We didn't have the money to build two houses. So we built one house. And you will not believe this. There's one episode that's almost entirely in Catherine Keener's house. So we took Maya and Fred's house. We redressed it entirely. We put different furniture in it. And we shot another episode with new furniture, but we flipped the image like a mirror. <laughs> so every shot in that episode, including the close-ups, including like, and what we did for like Fred's shirt is we made new shirts that were reversed. So they buttoned oh, from the right. opposite side and no one ever knew. Everything was flipped. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, and we were like, would this, I think our DP Mark Schwartzbart came up with the idea. He's like... Just a, he's a very calm, bearded man. He was like, a small idea for, for you. Like we could, I was like, there's no way that'll work. And we did it and nobody knew. It looked like a different house because we flipped everything, reversed it on the axis. Mirror wow. Image. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, it worked. And everyone's face is reversed. And so like that show has kind of a supernatural element. So it, it also like, if there was anything uncanny valley-ish about it, I think it kind of worked because she was in this new world. Anyway. Um, side note, uh, that's again, that's for a forever recap podcast. <laughs> that's, we'll save that for, for the other one. But yeah, I, like, I remember Mike letting us in on the process of casting, right? So obviously we cast Fred, but then we also had to cast the other Venezuelan delegates. So a lot of people, a lot of showrunners will kind of do that on their own. And uh, Mike did something where sometimes he would show us the casting videos and we would all kind of weigh in. And especially this episode was one that, um, you know, I had written the first draft of. So um, we were watching all these videos. And I remember distinctly watching the videos of the people auditioning to play Antonio and Johnny and Elvis, who were the other um, cast members. And of course, we cast Carlos Carrasco as Antonio and Federico Dordea as Elvis and Jay-Z Gonzalez as Johnny. And I remember being in the writer's room and watching those videos and kind of discussing pros and cons and how the guys would kind of interact together and what their look needed to be. So Johnny needed to be kind of a young, handsome guy who falls in love with April. And so we, you know, we were picking that type of guy and we thought, okay, well, it would be a good physical mix to have kind of a larger guy. And so 
that was uh, Antonio, played by Carlos. And so, man, it, it's it's so funny to think about. I guess you know that it was just so new to all of us. And it was new to me. It's not like I, you know, I also wasn't like on a ton of TV shows. Mm-hmm. So that was like my first like, oh, this is what it's like to not be at SNL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, right? And here's I mean, Amy. She's not on the show anymore. And this is, you know, her life now. This is Amy's thing. So that kind of thing is very, you know, uh, it, it kind of, it's inspiring for like, you know, you know, like what does the future hold? Yeah. What can happen after SNL? And it's also like she had all these funny, creative people around her. So that was another thing. I was like, oh, there are people outside of, of the show. Look, being a guest is, is hard. Um, because, you know, it's a well-oiled show. You know, Parks certainly was. Everybody has their characters down pat. And everybody's killing. Everybody's a murderer. And, you know, you can come in and you better kill. Or you will be murdered. So there's a competition element to it. I've been on both sides of it. I've, I've been a guest. I've had guests come on my shows. And... When it works, it works great, but it also, it can go, it can also go wrong. I I do think on Parks, um, every guest was, was great because they were all sort of, um, interconnected with some other cast member. Like they'd worked together, they were friends together. Um, so it was sort of a club and and you were already in that club. You were friends with Amy for a long time, right? Because you did SNL for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and close friends. Yeah. So that that's a very like that part made it made me trust the whole thing you know not that i wouldn't trust it but just it wasn't strangers no yeah and and you can really tell i mean watching the episode uh, you know i'm sure you notice this too rob like sometimes we're letting fred go and it's like oh like that no one else could do that you know like you know the talking head we talked about but also in the conference room scene where he's kind of riffing about miami like i don't know if you remember that stuff oh yeah yeah, i was wondering how much it feels like riffing to me like yeah. sometimes i go oh yeah that's just someone tapped in and they're just plugged in and they're letting them go and i, and I felt like i saw a lot more of that in your work in your appearance in this episode than i've seen in 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 so anything so far would that be fair to say yeah, yeah definitely yeah but in a in a good zone where it wasn't just do you know it wasn't there, want, it, yeah. it wasn't tangents that didn't relate to the story. <laughs> we cuz right. we have those we just put, didn't put them in the episode. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, like, we yeah. shoot those and then you like you 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 figure it out. But yeah, that that's the nice thing about Parks also is like I think it's controlled chaos in a way where ultimately we we love the comedy but I think the story and the characters are always, you know, paramount of importance and 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 i think you know hopefully you can do both right you can get those fun runs in and and also not have it descend into chaos so this is an example of one of the more pushed ones because it's very it's very extreme i don't think like this episode ends when you see a bunch of guys with machine guns i was like i don't think i've ever seen an episode of parks where the guys have huge machine guns oh right (laughs) they're in venezuela (laughs) yeah Yeah, i was like okay did you did you um so portlandia was at post this -hmm. appearance yeah Yeah, that was so uh, what did you what did you take from the the vibe, the way it was made, was it? Was there anything that when you were building the Portlandia world, both in terms of like writers or how you shot it or, you know, energy or any of that? Absolutely. First of all, it gives, it gives you or it gave me a sense of optimism. Like you can actually make a whole other world. And I, I also just seeing that the people that Amy had around her, like Alan and like Mike, there was a little bit of like, just make sure that, you know, the people who are writing are people that make you laugh, you know, that they're, these are funny people and, and who are good at it. So 
also, I mean, I, I, I suppose even that set was like, wow, they just created this whole look. So it, it's possible. It, as opposed to something that's like a million miles away. As opposed right. to like, otherwise, I mean, where would I have known that like, you know, these things are attainable? Yeah. I mean, you guys had a much bigger budget, <laughs> I will say. But still, <laughs> well, I, yeah, the thing that always blew me away was was just how we kept building more and more to the set. It was like, oh, my God, like I'm building a set for this new show right now. And, and it's like you usually don't have that much space. We have we have two stages, fortunately, for the new show. But like this, it's crazy. It's like the, the park set yeah. got bigger every year. And Port, Portlandia, you were shooting in Portland. You were literally shooting Portland, right? It was yeah, like, we was didn't a, have a stage. We it was all location. on locations. Yeah. Wow. wow. So every day was just driving. <laughs> Getting in our cars and driving to the next place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you there in twenty minutes. Yeah. People don't realize how difficult that is to be in a a different location every day because you're the setup time. I mean, something as simple as like learning where the bathrooms are, and it just yeah, really like and, yeah. and where your makeup and hair is in like that learning. Cur- you have a learning curve every single day of logistics, yeah. and being on being on a stage can get. The only downside is it can get monotonous possibly but it's like being in your own house after a while and yeah. it's so easy peasy and when, when you get a chance to do that and there's a reason producers love it because it gives you that solid foundation and allows you to travel you know to location but it also saves you that money and it allows you to just yeah have somewhere that protects you what if it rains what if you know there's something an emergency that comes up you can always go back to the stage and shoot other stuff now I'm th- now this is a uh, a podcast for line producers. This is <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's like we, we fascinating. This is legendary. This is a Morgan Sackett hosted pod. Legend has it, underneath the NJM Insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. The bit with your you and your delegation being obsessed and taking the pens. Oh yeah, was that come out? Where did that come from? I, I remember forgot that. about. That. I think that was. I think I honestly remember that potentially being made up on set. It I feels think. very made up to me. Yeah. Oh my! I yeah, I have no idea because it went on and on, right? And on it's and like, on. We'd have to ask. Like I, I'd love. I'd like to have my, ask Mike too, but yeah. And the notion that that you guys are not impressed with anything. That is said, done, given, but you want the pens <laughs> and the candy bars. There's a whole candy bar thing. I feel like I feel like uh, there needs to be a director's cut on the candy bar subplot because it feels like we're missing a crucial piece of their obsession with the the the, uh, the candy because they're very very into candy bars. Were there yeah. no candy bars in Venezuela? What's going on? It's it's more it's more that there is a whole culture of candy there. There's a real <laughs> ah. like there's a lot of it's just like a, it's a sort of obsession in a way, just in general. Just I remember being there's a lot of sugary drinks, a lot of different kinds of cookies and chocolates, and it's like, yeah, it was it was just really part of everything. Wow, so that's based in reality. I love that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I did the, the, the moment where Amy has to decide whether she's going to say Viva Chavez is like such a, it's such an earned, like, look, it, it, you say it's a very pushed episode. It's very hard comedy. And that's my preference usually. But th- that moment is one of the most realistic earned, like legitimate, you're on the edge of your seat moments. I think that I've seen in the show so far, maybe one, maybe the most of 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 the show. It's awesome. It's a great moment. Yeah, fully dramatic. I, I was kind of surprised. Like it kind of banks into. It starts off like, oh, this is kind of like fun and games, like you know, kind of hard comedy stuff. But then it kind of banks into a kind of a real idea for her, which is yeah. like, do I accept help or do I want to do this myself and have control over the project? That's ultimately what the emotional story is. And it was cool to see Amy do that. And you know, quite honestly, like. It was cool to see, you know, when we, when Fred and Maya and I worked together, it was like, oh, like, yeah, let's do some real moments. Oh, that was awesome to see. And, and it's, uh, is it fun to, to, for you guys to stretch those muscles and, 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 and do that kind of stuff, Fred, for, for you? You know, I know you love doing comedy, but is it fun to do that kind of stuff? Yeah, although it's fun, but then I always hope that everyone else likes it on set. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little bit like... It's it, it just like that's that's the area where I'm like, oh god, I ha- hope everyone's happy with this. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you guys, the more, you guys are all behind a monitor and everything, so yeah, it's, it, that's more. It feels more a little more like just a little more pressure, which is fine. Yeah. And so wait, just so, so you're saying the mo- the sort of more dramatic, not dramatic. That's putting too fine a point. No, on the, it, but, but sure. Yeah. yeah. The more the more grounded dramatic stuff is yes. the stuff where you yeah, that's interesting. For me, when I, when I joined, it was exactly the opposite. It's like if I'm doing super pushed, like super pushed is is like oh boy. <laughs> but if you hear the Amy cackle, yeah, you know you're okay. It's probably what you come up doing, right? Because Rob, you started out doing probably a little more drama, and, and Fred obviously started in comedy. It's like if you're yep. doing the other thing, then it's like oh, yeah. a little bit more pressure, right? A little bit, yeah. That's kind of or, or it's like it's almost like doing an imitation of. <laughs> someone doing something serious i'm like i think this is what it's supposed to feel like or maybe this is something i've seen on tv before i feel like i've talked to aziz about the same thing Aziz's like okay then i just look sad i don't have to like make a joke i just look sad and the scene ends i was like yeah that's what happens here okay you look down you you, you're bummed okay (laughs) it's so funny comedy guys right doing that stuff is so funny it's it's like being in the dark for sure what are your comedy touchstones like what's for you? Like what? What's your inspiration? Who are your favorites? Um, let me try to answer without without thinking too much because then you know my I start going to like well what can what can I say that sounds cool? But I think <laughs> yeah. that like that's like when I get asked about music. It's like what's cool? No. Yeah, yeah. Who do you actually it, like? Who do you actually like, Fred? Yeah. What do you listen? Forget to trying to it's impress like, people at UCB or whatever. <laughs> I do feel like the stuff that really echoed with me is SNL. So yeah. when, when you, you mentioned Dana Carter before, and I feel the same about Mike Myers and Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when I think about like when I was really, you know, when I was watching TV, um, I do feel like Martin Lawrence was kind of like, I love that. Shanene Martin. <laughs> Shanene. Like he did, he did characters and it wasn't presented as, um, Hey, I do this sketch show. It wasn't yeah. presented as like, watch me do characters. It was kind of like a weird, uh, to me, I felt like they didn't really talk about it. All of a sudden there was Shanene yeah. and the security guard and stuff. So I, I always thought he was great. 
I love that. What's well, fun, but, but that's something it's so interesting because there's something we all know actors who do characters. We've seen people play multiple roles all the time. It's a thing. Some people are great at it. There's something about the way you do it when you do it that it's like you were just saying about Martin Lawrence. It's just present. It's like it just is. Yeah. Do, do you know what I'm saying? There's not like, oh, here's Eddie Murphy and he's Mrs. Clump, Mr. Clump and the baby Clump. It's like, and, and I love that. Don't, there's nothing against Eddie or, or that, but there's something, there's a, 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 and it's hard to even articulate, but there's an element of, of it, of authenticity and just like not showy and just is that, that I kind of get from your work that I don't always get from others when they're playing multiple characters. Yeah, I think that, um, I think Kids in the Hall did that a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. And, and, and Kids in the Hall was a great one. I used to watch that as a kid. It was on Comedy Central and Norm Hiscock, uh, who was a head writer of that show, um, uh, you know, worked on Parks and Rec for almost the entire time. And, and it was so cool to, to work with him. And, and you know, I, those guys are just the sweetest guys, those Canadian guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like so funny. Uh, I had I had a Fred story that like, I also had a question to ask about it. Um, this was on the set of Forever one day. We were at shooting at this cabin and there was this very adorable family. I mean, it wasn't a real family. It was actors playing a family, but there's these little kids. There's these two little Asian girls and it was late at night and we were just hanging out by the monitors and Fred, you know, can do accents, right? So Fred was doing an accent of some kind and the little girls were so delighted and they just started asking him to do every kind of accent. So <laughs> they went around the world, like around like every country in Europe, then parts of America. So like, you know, mi- like Minnesota and like, you know, Texas. And he was like, oh, South Texas or North Texas. And he could do both. And then he did, this is Southern, but it's Tennessee. This, I, it was, un- wow. it was unbelievable. It was like, this is German. This is Austrian. Like, I, I'm not joking. It was every, a- it was, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, how do you, Fred, I, I wanted to ask you that day. Cause it was so impressive. Every, like they, they were like applauding at the end. Is it practice? Are you listening to people's voices all the time? Are you, how do you develop that skill? You know, I just don't understand it, you know? Well, some of it's like a parlor trick in that I just do the ones that I know. (laughs) So so I sort of lead people into it, you know, like, do you want to hear it? To say the difference between Austria and Germany is an easy one for me in that I've done it you know, a lot of my life yeah. and there's like subtle differences. And by the way, what is the, give me, give me a, what is the difference? <laughs> well, just, Austria just in Austria, Germany? they pronounce the R brot instead of brot. Like, <laughs> oh uh, so German God. is a little, this is like a linguistics class already. Yeah. You know, that's what it amazing. becomes. It, it's so that, it, that's basically it. So there are a million accents that I just don't go towards at all just because I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I can't do like Boston I think Ireland I can't do. There's a there's so many. So that like so that's part of it. It's just a sort of I I just and also I do a couple of sentences. It's not like I go into like anything long. If I just do a sentence, we're good. Right. So I just sort of (laughs) jump in and out. It's almost like knowing a few chords to a song as opposed to the whole song. I'm like, hey, here's the chorus of this one song. And then jump out and then do, do something else. But there are and then some of it is made up some of it is like because <laughs> no one really knows right. no who knows <laughs> right and and to be so for example if i said look east tennessee or west tennessee those are nuances <laughs> that i don't know yeah, yeah but the other thing i've been noticing and, and this is a little more real is that the more that i travel the more that i see that i think accents are sort of fading away in general 
Yeah. I think they're all becoming, just because everyone's so connected, I think everyone's just sort of like, it's, it's, a, it's less intense everywhere you go. Um, yep. I worked with someone from Scotland r- recently, and she just had this really light, like, it was such a light accent. It was not, to me, it, was, it wasn't like m- my perception of what Scotland is. Just light, very light. Just the just dusting. Story. Just ex- <laughs> just a tiny <laughs> dust. It wasn't, yeah. <laughs> That's such on, a good way to put it. A, but it is like yeah. a little, it's like a little tiny Scottish flag, but it's really how, uh, almost like how everyone talks. Yes, on a scale of zero to full fat bastard. <laughs> yes. It was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like yes. one millionth of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, look, it's a talent too, right? It's a talent. It, it, it's just, you can, you can, you have the power to do that. It, it is, I love the analogies you made of both music and, and, and magic because you just revealed some of your secrets, which is like, you know, it's just, you walk them to the ledge and you get, you do your 10, 15 that you can do. And it's one sentence. I mean, and it, people are blown away. They think you can do everything in every language. Like I, like, I like in every accent, like I did. Um, but that's fascinating. The, the way it can kind of sort of snowball is that people then, over, over the years have been like offering me like hey by the way this is how you do buffalo new york oh. and then all of a sudden i'm like great now i've got one sentence now i've got this you know mm-hmm. so it does kind of keep growing and 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 i am by the way i am i am obsessed with accents i love it i i could i could talk about it forever i could he- listen you know if, if there if there are any podcasts about it i am obsessed it's fascinating so a question for you is it just accents or is it also how and what people choose to say. Like when I do Arnold, I do an, every, look, everybody does an Arnold, but I've known Arnold forever. You, you, do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's yeah. a notion of what you're saying when you're doing it. Yes. They're like the things they're they're like the sayings that he would say. And there's, I mean, I even feel like, I mean, I can't do him, but some of these people also, as they keep going in life, as they age, like even that starts to change. And I don't mean like by getting older, just like that he's been in the United States for so long. Yeah. Um, I noticed when I hear Ringo speak now, he mm. has lost some of his British accent. Wow. So you'll hear it in the word and. So mm. he'll be talking and talking on the and. And his <laughs> and is like totally, <laughs> totally American. But he's been oh here for, for a, a long time, you know. Less Liverpudlian and more Valley Girl. He just kind of changes. <laughs> when you have to, when you were on SNL and you had to do somebody famous um how how did you break it down like that, big, hey you know it would be great if you took a shot at playing obama if anyone wants to do uh, gene simmons um <laughs> very good it was it was like um that's easy in that it's all written and those are super short those are right. just like there was something that, i remember that we did something where i had to be david lee roth <laughs> right and so it's how very, do you do him yeah, well, yeah, there's a kind of, you know, he, he really likes, he just gets into every word. He's, he's sort of, um, uh, he's making a speech, like a little private speech every time he talks. A little, and there's a lot of philosophy when he speaks. And um, there's almost but, a commonality in what you just did for David Lee Roth and what like a wrestler sounds like. It's like yeah, really, it's like you're selling. Yeah, like, it's like you're just really selling. Yeah, selling every, every, every step of the way. But it's, he's very, you know, I just, I, Anyway, uh, with someone like him, it's just a matter of only all I had to do was a couple of sentences and then the rest is all wigs and makeup and stuff. How, so. But how great is it when you when you, one, you finds 
an element in someone famous that no one has ever shown a light on before. Like I remember, um, when I, there was a, one of the episodes when I was doing SNL was the famous, uh, presidential debate where Al Gore kept saying the phrase lockbox mm, over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And, and I think it was Daryl played him. I yeah. think that's and the Darryl, genius of Daryl. And he like, had this, like, I'd never seen Gore as this sort of vaguely fay, like, and he's like, and the lockbox. Like, so like that kind of like element of fayness to it was so genius. And of course you go, yes, that's exactly what he's like. That's the genius of Daryl Hammond. He has a, an amazing secret to finding how to do an impression of somebody. And that was, think of the person and think of who their hero is. So when he did Clinton, he said, he imagined that Clinton really looked up to Martin Luther King. So he mm. thinks of the person they admire, who they're trying to sound like. Director Roland Emmerich's film, Independence Day, tells the story of a young, idealistic, compassionate president who's facing a crisis. That's some next level shit. That is, that is next that is level so. impressionist shit. That's like Daryl and you, and you know, like, like just talking like shop. It's like, it, it's, but it, it, I have a theory about some SNL impressions, which is that the famous person who gets impersonated on SNL and that impression starts becoming really famous, I feel like they in real life become more like the impression because they've seen it. So they, it's just it's this thing where it's a snake eating its own tail and they become more like each other. Yeah, Sarah Palin for sure, yeah, 100%. They're leading into it. Because all the people around them must be saying, have you seen this? Have you yes. seen this? So it becomes, it's so in their, in their life that... <laughs> It's so funny, man. Yeah. So, uh, getting back to the episode a little bit, did you, did your family ever see this episode? Like anyone from Venezuela? Oh yeah, they loved it? it. Oh they, good. Okay. They loved I, it. Yeah. I was a little scared. I was like, yeah. <laughs> can Alan traveled yeah. safely to Venezuela? Is really oh, the absolutely. It, they loved it because they're they were anti Chavez. Yes. Oh, very. Yeah. My family was very much what would I guess would be considered leftist. So yeah. they they loved it. This is one of the hardest sort of satirical episodes because there's sometimes, you know, in the beginning of the season, especially, you know, the show was touching on political issues a little bit, but it was always do its own version. It would always do, you know, oh, this is a gay marriage, but it's, it's penguins getting married, right? Or, or it's a death penalty episode, but it's a possum or something. Uh, but in this one, it's, it is Venezuela's a real country, right? They didn't make up. It wasn't Wakanda. It was like, this is actually Venezuela. So there was some satire there. There was also some satire in the ending where you know, he wanted her to say Viva Chavez. There was, I, I think that they were trying to give away gasoline in some parts of the United States because wow. th I think Sitco is a, a Venezuelan company originally. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I remember that there was a thing of them like, we're going to give gasoline away. Right. Kind of rub it in the United States' face and be like, hey, you guys are having a hard time. Yeah. Like we have a lot of resources, right? They were trying to brag. Yeah, I mean, I and, and, and you know, he was a dictator, essentially, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I actually don't know the politics, so well, I should research it before saying and, that. And more importantly, he was a good friend of Sean Penn's, let's face it. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that true? I, uh, oh, yeah. Don't, don't you remember that? Sean was that. down to clown with Hugo Chavez. They were, like, <laughs> oh, wow. spending time together. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, and Sean's oh, yeah. doing our next episode. This we got to bring this up with him. Yeah, bring him. He was, bring never, it up. He was never on Parks, but he's coming. He's coming on <laughs> next one, and you're doing it in, in like right away, like yes. in an hour. Yes, he wasn't on Parks, but he was on Two and a Half Men. Uh, he, uh, he, that's, had, he had he had standards. That's man, I don't remember that at all. I, I love oh yeah, this. we got to talk about your relationship with Sean Penn. <laughs> <It's gonna, laughs> you go oh, way back. Man. 
Rob, you must you must know. This is like a separate. This is yeah. a separate pot. Separate you must pot. know everybody. Yes, he does. You must know everybody. How did you <laughs> must have just do. met everybody over over the years? It's rare that there's somebody that I haven't. Because yeah, I mean, only it's just a math thing. I mm-hmm. mean, if you do it, yeah. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been on network television since 1979. Been making oh movies God. since <laughs> since 1981. And going back and forth ever since. So it's, you know, 45 years. Yeah. And and then, you know, I'm, I enjoy people and, and talking to people and meeting people. So I kind of, I like to cultivate friendships and, and also disparate groups of people as well. Um, and that's, and that's fun. You know, so it's like, I got both sides of the spectrum. Fred, this is not, Rob did not pay me to say this. If you haven't read one of Rob's books, Stories I Only Tell My Friends, it really gave me a window in his life. This is years ago he published this book, but it is phenomenal because it's him telling all these stories, and they're they're fascinating (laughs) stories about his life, but almost every chapter ends with some crazy revelations. Like like he's telling a story, and it's always like, and that curly-haired young woman. Was Sarah Jessica Parker? It's always, yes. it's always, it's always that. It's like that, that phenomenal songstress was Janet Jackson. It's oh, it's yeah. always yes. that, right? It always and it's like you can't every chapter. You, it's like, it, but that's probably only like a third of his stories, or like a quarter of his stories. Like there's more. Like if you know him in person, you'll hear even more stories. But yeah, but it it, it is. But it's true. Oh, I, I mean, it's like it. it's this. You know, it's kind of a, a, a zelig type situation, right? He's just been there for everything. So I know your birthday must be like the text you must get. <laughs> It's fun. It's, it is. I'm I want to be lie. sitting. I want to. I want to be sitting. With, I mean, it is. I do mean it as a compliment. It yeah. does say that you're a friendly person. That you yeah. know, you've made uh, friends yeah. along the way. But I want to sit with you on your birthday just to see, just to see those texts come in. It can be kind of insane. I mean, the last birthday I had on my, I think on my left was Barbara Streisand, and then <laughs> on my other side was Oprah. But and then you get them going and talking about stuff that. That they wouldn't necessarily talk about, and Barbara was spent literally forty-five minutes explaining to me why she still can't sleep at night because uh, they cut two scenes out of the way we were. No, that explained way. why her character left Redford, and I was like, Barbara, the ship has sailed. It's one of the greatest <laughs> movies. It, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's a it's a movie people try to emulate and remake and no one can ever touch it and you want to add two more scenes to it now (laughs) (laughs) she should do her cut she should release the streisand cut cgi her down does she still have the i i was doing by the way on the topic of barbara was doing some barbara research she had like a mall like in her house like she had there (laughs) i've been there yeah so so yeah there's there's like one floor of her house is like shops that you can go into it's well listen what she actually has is is a basement that does look a lot like a mall that does have a big frozen yogurt thing and but it has like all her her, ama- her all her amazing costumes you know from everything she's ever done in one area and then her doll collection wow. in another and all these different so it is it is but there's, there are no actual shops as far as like but maybe I didn't get to get to that secret floor I mean maybe and and, and you know what I love how you casually tossed up her dog collection in one room yeah, yeah. No, it's, like, it's like yeah her dog collection and her portraits Fred have you heard about this mall mm-hmm. I mean yeah there's like a, a, a storefront I've heard about this yeah and her portraits of George Washington big 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 collector of Americana I have one more thing about that episode yes yeah yeah I took something from set and I brought it to the office today oh, a pony mug oh shit parks and recreation mug so there's a coffee mug yeah and this is how early it was or whatever in, in my career is that I'm, this is from the set. 
This oh, is property. It, this oh, is a so prop. <laughs> it's not. This it was wasn't a gift. A, it yeah. wasn't a gift in a gift bag. So I was. I just said to whoever was around me, "Hey, can I grab this?" This was on set. This coffee mug, and they said yes, but not in the way of like, "Oh my god, of course." It was a little bit like, "Let me just," you know. There was a moment of, "Yes, that's okay." Yeah, they're like, uh, okay. Um, and the thing that's amazing about this is, I I really love this, but also on the inside, it's a little what appears to be dirty. Mm. And I was always like, wow, they don't, don't care, take care of their props. But I think this is how they dressed it to look like they painted the inside. Is it possible it was used at some point? Maybe they put coffee in it so people could drink out of it? Oh, that's a good, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what I gather from it, no, no, it's on the outside. I think it's actually dressed to look a little stained. Agreed. The attention to detail. I believe yeah, that. Yeah, look used. I believe that. Sure. That's the thing that I always hate about bad sitcoms. Talking about, we're going back to full circle of the blue bushes. We don't want yeah, any blue yeah, yeah. Bad sitcoms, everybody's wardrobe is brand new. Yeah. Brand new. Brand right new. off the rack. Everybody. Everybody. And whatever decade they're representing, like if, hey, this takes place in the 80s, everyone's in 80s gear. I'm like... You know, people were not everyone was in that moment. Yeah, yes. that year. That's right. And it's the the other thing I've heard actors complain about. They see someone drinking coffee out of an empty paper cup. <laughs> Fake drinking is is one of my favorite things to catch actors doing. I love it. That's yeah. Let me see, I'm going to try one. Here we go. Here's the yeah. mug. I'm going to do it quickly just so cuz I don't want to lean in onto it too much. It's Except you did a great thing. That was you did bad. the you did the very subtle slurp noise, which sold the shit out of it. It's okay. It's like it's. I so think heavy. it's impossible because it needs to be heavy. It's That's impossible. It doesn't. You can't do it. You, you even can't do it. it. We don't it, have the muscle. Yeah. The, the like the, the nuanced muscle in our arm <laughs> to make it seem like there's liquid in it. It's impossible. We we can't do it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. You know, I know what we want to do because there was a town hall in this episode. We should we should have Fred participate in, in again, once again, in a town hall. Yeah, Fred, do you want to stick around for a town hall? It's where we answer a question from a listener. Yes, please. Oh, I knew it. Let's do a town hall. This is a regular town hall, not a town howl. That's when it's audio. This is a town hall. <laughs> Maybe we do this one in the sister city. 
Oh, yeah. Let's do it in, in Venezuela. In Boracua, Venezuela. We've Venezuela. flown to the compound. We're with Donna. By the way, big Donna episode, and, and, and she's, she's coming. Did you did you get to know Red a little bit, Fred? Have you gotten to yeah, know yeah. her at all? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I'd known her from just from stand-up and stuff yeah. anyway. Um, but, yeah, I did. She's great. It, wow, she's so cool. Yeah, and so it's cool. and this was just the beginning. We were trying to sort of figure out the character, and she became very high status, and she's getting off some jokes in this episode. It's a very good episode from her. But let's get into the town hall, straight out of Boracua, Venezuela, sister city of Pawnee. This town hall comes to us from Crystal from Melbourne. International episode. Very international. Many times, those many hemispheres. Was it ever daunting having guest stars, comedy legends, political figures? How do you move past that? And for Fred... As a guest star, is it ever daunting joining an existing ensemble for an episode? Is there anything mm. intimidating about it? Thank you for the question, Crystal. I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, is it ever, you know, Fred, you've been on so many shows. Do you ever get nervous or is it just like, I'm Fred, I'm fucking coming in here and I'm doing it? Like, <laughs> it's, it's easier. It's easier to, to be a guest on someone else's thing because everything is in motion already. Mm. There's no, everything has been... Uh, organized everything has been set so because there's already a language because there's everything everything's sort of ready it makes it much easier it's like a it's like a puzzle piece so i love it it's it's great and then that was an, a great example of it so there uh it's just every everyone's confident they're all already going uh, yeah I, I mean and just for those of you who have not worked with fred he is the easiest person in the world to work with he's like the, the most fun and like the nicest to everyone uh on the set and fred fred sometimes on forever and and this is very highly unusual would come in on days that he wasn't shooting just to watch and like hang out and like have lunch with us which blows my mind which is truly mind-blowing like so, so that's no, kudos kudos to fun. fred um, Rob, how about you? Was it, you know, how did you enjoy the guest stars? Did you ever work with the political people? I think me, my, I, yeah, with on, them, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I didn't work with any of the big political people on parks. That was after Chris married Ann and moved away. That's when you had president Biden and Hillary Clinton and, and, um, all of those, those folks. Um, I'm, but I will say that joining a well-oiled machine, that, that's the pro side of it that Fred just said. On the other side of it, it's kind of like trying to jump on a moving freight train. And like, you can, you can do it, but if you miss it even a little bit, you get your arm taken off. And so that's kind of the, the fun challenge for, for me. If, you know, if, when I showed up on parks or when I would show up on Californication or you know, any of those things where you just come in and, and, and have some fun and, and leave, um, the, the, the jumping in the timing of getting, of jumping into something that's well on its way down the tracks is, is, um, can be a little bit of a challenge regardless of how nice everybody is. And, and everybody's always been, been, you know, nice. I think you, I think as actors, we get a sense of, you know, is this, is this a party I want to go to? Mm -hmm. And you, you had that with Amy, you knew Amy already. So you knew you, you were going to have fun on parks. Yeah, that that I I knew, and also Mike and a couple other people. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Um, the one thing that's kind of, which I I don't mind, but I don't, I don't know if you ever noticed this. Sometimes in the makeup trailer, there's so many inside jokes that you're just <laughs> mm. not, and there'll be something hanging. Look at the, you know, this is the bicycle helmet from, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know what you're referring to, but <laughs> there's a little bit of that. I always find when you go to Canada, the makeup and hair people are always talking about projects they worked on that you've never heard of before it's, it's my favorite thing it's always like 
It's like it's always like, oh yeah, do you know? Uh, do you know Billy Baldwin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I Billy Baldwin. Oh yeah, we worked on uh, uh, Princess of the Alps together. Right. <laughs> hey, what? Yeah. You know Princess of the Alps? Right. They had seven seasons. Yeah, yeah. We worked yeah, on the seventh season. What? Yeah. There's seven seasons of Princess uh, of the Alps. Yeah, it's a yeah. spinoff of the Crystal Rod. It's like the Crystal Rod. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> so what are these? Oh, you know, uh, uh, did, you, did you ever know Billy Peterson? Oh yeah, you know we did uh, Big Bag Ball together up in uh, up in Winnipeg. Ball. I like. I want to see those shows. <laughs> Every one of those, they exist somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so um, insane. That was a good. That was a good. Uh, good town hall. Yeah, town, town hall down in Baracoa. Let's take the flight back up to to, to Pawnee and and uh, say goodbye to Venezuela. I, I think that's all we got. Um, mm. uh, Rob, you got anything else? No, this is great. And 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 Fred, I, it's my longtime dream to figure out something to do with you. So, oh please, anytime. If you ever need a man man with delicate bone structure, you know who to call. <laughs> <laughs> Just put him in an enormous prosthetic makeup so he's unrecognizable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be another thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, thank you so much for joining, man. It's, it's really appreciated. We know how busy you are, so we really appreciate it, man. No, thank you. Thanks for doing this, you guys. This is awesome. Oh, oh and let's, uh, I guess we'll do the cheer. Parks and Recreation! <laughs> Yay! Yay! All right, thank you, Fred. Thank you, Shelty and Greg. Goodbye from Pawnee. This episode of Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. That's the best sync I think we've done on the show. I, we really, I mean, Fred's a drummer, so that, that's, that's close, why yeah. that's really, yeah. he, he infused us all. It was all yeah. like, he's got rhythm. Yeah, a little <laughs> drum trio. He's got rhythm. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stitcher.